You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Well, and the Seahawks are back on the road this week using Delta Airlines. But before we get to that matchup against the Detroit Lions, John Boyle and I are going to break down what we saw last week against Atlanta. And here is the bright spot today, John. Not only am I on cup of coffee number four and a half, maybe five. This is, it's setting up to be, no, it's setting up to be a really bad afternoon is what this is setting up to be. But I'm in a great mood right now. And look, I know that it was a disappointing outcome against Atlanta. But if you look at the standings, Seattle didn't lose anything. I don't know that I would have predicted a one and two start for three teams in the NFC West. Yeah, I mean, really the whole, excuse me, really the whole NFC is pretty muddled right now of, you know, you have other than, you know, the Eagles are out there undefeated, but pretty much the whole conference is one and two or two and one right now. So yeah, it's not the start you were hoping for, especially after such a great win in the opener, but you're right in it. And look, we know there's things to clean up, but there's a lot of encouraging things that came out of that loss on the offensive side of the ball. And I get the defense has a lot to fix and we'll get more into that. But if you had given me the choice coming into the season of the defense looks a little shaky, needs to clean up, or say it's the offense where we have the concerns about the quarterback, I'd feel much better about where they're at now. If Geno Smith playing really well, the offense looking pretty good because I have more faith in, you know, we've seen it over and over in this team. They will get into this more, but they, they, tend to fix things on defense, and I trust that they'll get that done. I do think that there is a specific and pretty easy reason why things aren't going the way the Seahawks anticipated on defense, but those offensive numbers, John, here's the other thing. If you would have given me all of the offensive numbers that we saw from the Seahawks on Sunday, including 325 yards from Geno, I would have said, you win this game. Oh, yeah. Third down conversions, like sacks, the protection. Like, I would have said, yeah, no problem. Most offense of the year. Yeah, and just finally having a game where the offense stays on the field. I think they ran 69 plays after 40-something the first two games. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of the numbers added up to you should have won that game, but the defense struggled a little, and, you know, the the one thing, you know, to nitpick the offense is they didn't quite get done in the red zone. Well, yeah. They had three third and shorts, third and two, third and three, that they didn't convert that all to field goals, so... That could have been the difference right there. It really is because you had those third down opportunities. You're converting about 48% of the time, but you couldn't convert on third down in the red zone. Mm -hmm. So you had to settle for field goals. That was a problem. I would also say it's interesting to look at the number of pass plays versus run plays. That run game got going against Atlanta a little bit more. You could start to see the rhythm of Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, but they're still throwing on 66% of their plays. If this rate continues, and I don't, think it will this would be the highest in Pete Carroll's tenure in Seattle yeah that part is definitely I think surprised a lot of people myself included I you know I never thought it was going to be as run heavy as maybe people were assuming with you know Russell Wilson moving on I think some people thought like oh god they're just going to run the ball 80% of the time I I never thought that would be the case but yeah it's been a little more pass heavy and I think that's just a reflection of how teams are defending right now because they were all expecting a very run heavy offense so I think we'll see it balance out over time. But yeah, it's 
you know, it's working more often than not right now. I also think there's a different in difference in the types of oh, pass sure. plays that we're yeah. seeing, right? I mean, the amount of tight end involvement last week and in, in those passes. Now, yeah, there was a big one to Colby Parkinson for what thirty six, but I think a lot of those pass plays are just underneath, mm-hmm. right? It, it's it's not like deep bombs down the field. You're using that to loosen up the defense because there hasn't been a whole lot of room for that rushing attack. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they've done well this year is Geno's taken what's given him and he's completing, you know, almost 80% of his passes. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's different than maybe what we thought it would look like, but I think they're doing a good job of, you know, again, taking what defense has given them versus trying to force what maybe people think the offense should be if that's not what the defense is showing. Okay. Meanwhile, if we're talking about opponent defense, we do need to dive into the Seahawks defense and what is not working for them right now. And I guess we can look at the numbers. Pete Carroll is going to choose to look on the optimistic side of things. I think it's going to be exactly the same in that regard because we're going to get better. It's just, I, you just can see it coming. So um, we're on it and we, we need to stay with it and keep them, you know, really in the habits of the good things that we're doing and, and build on it. And then we'll, just like in your golf game, you, you know, when you get better, you don't really hit better shots. You just hit less bad shots. I mean, that's the same idea. We got to get rid of the plays that are, that are getting in the way for force right now. And what Pete Carroll meant when he said he thinks it's going to be exactly the same. He was asked about how this defense has turned things around in the second half of seasons. Obviously, they don't want to wait till midseason to see that happen. But he meant, you know, exactly the same in terms of turning it around. And I like that golf analogy he made because it's not, you know, there's not a ton of things they need to suddenly be like, oh, we need to be way better at this, this, and this. It's just cutting out some of the bad plays, some of these mistakes where, you know, whether it's a rushing play where someone's losing edge contain or, you know, a linebacker's not getting off a block, and then we saw some big passing plays this past week in the first half especially. So if you clean up those big plays they keep giving up, I think, you know, down after down, they're doing a lot of things well, and then occasionally a big one gets out. So get rid of those, and this defense will look a lot better. I also think you have to put things into context for who you have on the field and how many guys are stepping into much larger roles yeah. than they've been in their careers, or their rookies who are getting used to the NFL. This is not a matter of, we don't know what's wrong. We're throwing up our hands and saying, shoot, I hope we can figure it out. In fact, if you talk to the veterans, and we did last week after the game, Quandre Diggs, Quentin Jefferson, you talk to Pete a little bit more, they can identify what's going on on the Mm -hmm. field. In fact, they are telling some of these young players what to look out for. I think what's starting to happen, though, is information overload. You've got too much information. You're getting paralyzed on the field. The only solution for that is to actually just play more games. It's just games. It's it's experience. I mean, yeah, you have two rookie cornerbacks playing a lot. You have you know, Josh Johnson and Mike Jans- Johnson aren't brand new guys, but they don't have a lot of starting experience. They're new to this team, relatively new to this team. So, you know, you got new guys on the defensive line. You know, Cody Barton's a full-time starter for the first time. So just, you're right, ton of newness. And I think it's just going to take them a little bit of time. You don't, you don't love to live with those growing pains, but sometimes that's the reality. Well, and we've seen those guys grow pretty quickly. And you can look at Tariq Woolen. You can look at Kobe Bryant, both of whom had big plays first in their career last week. Kobe Bryant with a sack, Tariq Woolen with the interception. I do think it's curious what's happening across that front, though. Al Woods is playing out of his mind. But I do think it's interesting kind of how much is falling on the shoulders of those big guys And I don't know if it's because they're trying to do too much or it's just the confluence of everything else that 
it doesn't look like I expected with some of those guys. Yeah, it's been, you know, I think uh, Clint Hurt called it inconsistent is what kind of has been going on with that group. Because, yeah, that's, I mean, when we talk about all this newness, probably the group that you expected to be the most steady and, you know, that you could just lean on is that interior line group because you got Monet back, you got Puna back, you got Elwoods back. And not to say they're playing bad, but it just hasn't maybe quite looked like what they were hoping going in the year. And then, you know, you a lot of newness on the edge. Daryl Taylor's back, but playing a bigger role. Luchena's new. You got new guys in like Mafe and uh, Daryl Johnson, who's playing really well in the limited role. So, yeah, it's just, they're still sorting it all out. I'm, you know, I do think it's going to get a lot better over time. The, the big question is, can you fix it in week four, week five versus week nine, week 10 when you, you know, maybe too much damage has been done. Well, and I would say it is going to be tough to do that against this Detroit team that is really good on offense. But you mentioned snap counts before we get into Detroit. I do want to point out. So Daryl Taylor has been on the field, was on the field 67% of those defensive snaps last week. Boye Mafe, 33%. Daryl Johnson also called Bam. If you hear Pete refer to Bam Johnson, that is Daryl Johnson across the defensive line, 35%. Pete did say they have not yet dialed in the right kind of combo and rotation mm-hmm. for those guys. And I, I would expect, and Pete said, Boye Mafe will get more snaps. We know that he wants to work Johnson into a larger role. I would expect Daryl Taylor's numbers to maybe shift a little bit to keep him where he needs to be productivity-wise. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing new. Pete Carroll has forever talked about wanting a big rotation. And I say defensive line. Those guys are technically linebackers now, but still edge line of scrimmage guys. You know, I'm sure I've made this point on this podcast before, but the classic example of the 2013 team, nobody on that defensive line played 60% of the snaps or more. And... You know, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett were not starters, even though I think they played the most snaps of that group. So it's Pete loves a deep rotation. You keep guys fresh. And I think as as the season goes along, it sounds like we're going to see them try to balance those guys out. And then, you know, he's not back yet, but eventually if you can get Alton Robinson yeah. in the mix, that can get you even deeper there. Yeah, he will be eligible to return to practice. I believe it is next, next week. week. Yes. So we'll see what that does to that rotation and if he can come back from a knee injury suffered during the preseason. Now, on to Detroit, where you look at the Lions, and I know for a long time they've been considered the lowly Lions. You certainly cannot do that when you look at offensive numbers. Pete Carroll knows what they're about. This is a team that uh, is really an emerging team. Uh, Coach Campbell's done a, a great job of taking over this place and, and, and putting his stamp on it because you can see um, how they play in all phases that they really get after it and they're really aggressive. And, and uh, um, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's pleased with the progress they're making because it's a good-looking football team. Um, they're scoring a lot of points the most in the NFL uh, and uh, that's a real obvious uh, contention for us we got to get after it we're going to have to slow down a running game that's one of the best in the NFL and uh, we haven't done great there so we have to really pick up you know our action on that end of it yeah I mean as Pete was just saying this is right now the number three team in the NFL in terms of total yards and rushing yards 170 a game which Pete Carroll loves Number two in scoring, they're scoring 31 points a game, 31.7. So a lot of really good things. And as Pete Carroll said himself, their running defense has not been very good right now. They they really need to fix that up. Now, the, the big question going into the game, though, is Detroit's a little banged up. Yeah. Some of their biggest weapons, including their starting running back, DeAndre Swift. So we're going to have to wait and see who's available. But I think the Seahawks will have a ton of respect. And to your earlier point, this is not you know that same old Lions that people look at as a get-right game anymore, I think. What Dan Campbell's done there is, you know, built a team that is tough and physical, and it's going to be hard on you whether you win or lose. Have you watched any of Hard Knocks? 
I unfortunately have not caught any of that. My TV watching is a little behind. Well, I blame my children. For well, you can blame uh, your like kids. everything. I've got I'll no blame excuse. my children. I've got no excuse. I did watch a couple of episodes. It is clear that Dan Campbell has energy. I thought it was interesting. And certainly looking at the coaching staff, Quadre Diggs pointed it out this week. There's a lot of former players on that yeah. staff, which a makes me feel old because I remember watching those or covering those guys. Mm-hmm. B, I do think that there's a new type of infusion there of just kind of what it means. You've got an organization that hasn't had success. Look, I understand what this feels like after covering the Seattle Mariners <laughs> for a long time. And what happens is until you infuse a completely new philosophy and new players that have experience elsewhere, right? You can't fix that from inside if you have no experience getting to that next level or changing culture. And that's exactly what Dan Campbell has done. Yeah. I mean, he's he has brought in guys that know how to win. Now, whether that translates to a playoff appearance for them now or ever under him, you can just tell it's a different team. Yeah, it just has a different energy. I mean, even, you know, just on Twitter, you see enough of the clips of the Hard Knocks, to your point of, yeah. you, you can just tell that the energy around that place is different. It's a much more confident team that, you know, they feel like they're legit contenders now. So we'll see, you know, like you said, we don't know if that means a great season this year, but it's a different culture. And I, I think they're going to be a much tougher opponent for the Seahawks and everyone else that faces them. Well, and here's kind of the thing with that rushing attack. It is not the same thing that we have seen the last couple of weeks. We knew that the Niners and the Falcons were going to run the ball. We knew that Russell Wilson is a running quarterback or has that potential to, but this is different with Jared Goff at the helm. Just listen to these numbers. When you think about that rushing attack, 511 of those those total yards, right? That's what they have rushing. 241 were before contact. That is second most in the NFL, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's just, it's a different style. They are getting open. They are running. You're not catching them until they're down the field for five, six, seven yards. Now, part of that is Jared Goff. You know that he's not going to run, so he's either going to hand the ball off quickly or get it out quickly. But you know what? I don't have to tell you that, and Pete Carroll doesn't have to tell you that. We've, we've seen plenty of Jared Goff over the years. We know a lot about the QB. We've played him a lot, and we have a lot of respect for, for Jared and what he does, uh, where he comes from. That's an inside deal to Jared only. They've got uh, um, a real aggressive defense as well, and they're going to they're gonna try and cover us up and, and lock us down, and, and uh, we, we respect that challenge. And special teams are really solid, and like you would think, they play really hard and give you great effort just like Coach wants. So uh, um, we, we respect what we're, we're up against here. This is an obvious team that's on the move, and uh, we're going to have to play some great football to, to get a win there. They are on the move, but you mentioned the injury at running back. They've also got an injury at wide receiver. Amon yeah. Ross St. Brown, favorite target of Jared Goff. Goff has 122.4 passer rating when he throws that way. He has by far been the most productive receiver for Detroit. He got rolled up on in the Vikings game, and they're not really sure what the status is of his ankle. So it doesn't sound like... It sounds like he is listed more as a week-to-week instead of a day-to-day thing, but still... That's a pretty big weapon there for Goff. Yeah, I mean, again, we're going to have to wait and see on those guys, on those injuries. But Goff is, you know, from from here, from people down there, it's not, or over there, not really down, but across. <laughs> Geography. East Coast. Not my strong point. <laughs> well, there's Techni- a reason. Technically, we're, we're north of Detroit, so I can say down. <laughs> um, 
I digress. It sounds like hearing from people there that he's just a lot more comfortable with that offense in his second year there, and things just seem to be working better for him and his weapons. Now, whether he has all his weapons, we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, Goff's a guy the Seahawks obviously know very well from all those years in the NFC West, and he will have their full respect and, you know, they're hopefully make it difficult on him. Well, and the offense is pressured to score points because of what the defense is doing, right? You look at the other side of this. They are an aggressive defense. However, they are giving up a lot of yards. In fact, they are giving up more yards than the Seahawks are giving up this year. 408 total. They're allowing 142 rushing yards and 31 points a game. Now, I'd like you to keep in mind that they did play the Eagles right out of the gates, right? We've seen what Philadelphia has done. But there's some opportunities there you're going to have to find a way to run and to find that balanced attack. It's tough to do when you've got the aggressiveness that Detroit does. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup in terms of, you know, aggressive is in theory, a good idea, but you also aggressive can lead to opportunities if you don't do it right. And all across the board, the numbers show the lines are giving up a lot of yards, a lot of points. So I do think this is a good chance for the Seahawks to, if they, you know, don't play into that aggression and take advantage of it for Gino to have a good game. And hopefully we, this is maybe the game we see Rashad Penny really get going, get that running game established. And there's some, some personal interest in this one. I was going to say vendetta. That's not right. I just like the word vendetta, but it's not a vendetta. You're talking about Quandre Diggs. Oh, I thought you meant Nick Ballore. Or Nick Ballor. Yeah, Nick Nick Ballor. It could be a revenge revenge game. game. Yeah, Yeah, it could be. I have to say, I cannot imagine what the Seahawks team would be like without either of those. Those guys, they're captains. Those guys are difference makers. Both of them, formerly with Detroit and Pete Carroll. Well, I think he he himself is even amazed that Quandre Diggs is a Seahawk. He had played a lot of nickel. He played a lot of coverage stuff as well as uh, as always being a big hitter. it was his. It was really his aggressiveness that singled him out. He's always been such a, a tremendous accelerator to the contact. You know that it just jumps off the film at you. Um, you know, we we had heard also about his character and, and, the, and his role in their team, and we thought that was a pretty exciting opportunity in that regard too. And we find out it was, you know, maybe understated. You know, and that he, he is a fantastic leader and a, and a force with our guys. Don't forget uh, Nick Pelor too. Now, you know, Nick played a little bit there too. So. <laughs> I like that. Shout out for Nick Ballore. That trade will, you know, go down as one of the best of this regime. I mean, they've made some great trades. Marshawn Lynch being the one that comes to everybody's mind first. But that you were able to get a guy who's at the time 26 years old, team captain, playmaking guy, and bring him in here for a fifth-round pick. And I I think my favorite part of that trade is that John Schneider made him throw a seventh-rounder and back to balance it out. Yeah. Like (laughs) – if Detroit had held firm and said, just give us a fifth for Quandary Diggs, you'd probably do it, right? Yeah. But but no, John's like, I need a seventh back too. <laughs> I, I just, I kind of like that. It just feels like a little extra poke. But yeah, I mean, just an incredible player, leader. I mean, you, you, it's a pretty good argument he made. He's been the Seahawks' best slash most consistent yeah. defensive player since he got here. I mean, obviously with Bobby Wagner the last couple of years as well, but he's brought so much to this team and now we're seeing the leadership emerge even more now that, you know, Bobby Wagner's gone and he's a captain. So yeah, just great get all around. It's, it's interesting to hear Quandre talk about going back to Detroit because obviously, I mean, you don't trade a 26 year old team captain. If everything's peachy back then things weren't, it wasn't a great relationship that year. Yeah. But to his point, it's, you know, the GM, the head coach, they're all gone now. 
And organizationally, he's got a lot of love for that place, and it's you know he said it's the place that made him. So, no, no, no animosity or anything going back there now. No, but I do also think it was interesting to hear him talk about how all of that experience and going back to college and the number of positions that he's played. Look, he's got 13 interceptions as a Seahawk. He is the only player in the NFL right now who's had three interceptions in five straight years. There is certainly productivity, but the way that he can talk to the young guys, he said, look, I've been the guy in the nickel. I have been the guy at the corner. I have been the guy in the safety. I know the hardest plays you're going to have to make. So just listen to me on this one, right? He's got just a different level of leadership because he went through all of that. And safety, as he pointed out, the minute that he moved to safety, well, now he's starting to get Pro Bowl knots. Uh That's his home, but I don't think he would trade that journey for anything. No, and it's, yeah, he's one other number that you didn't include there. One of only two safeties with five interceptions each of the last two years. So just a lot of things he's done as as well, if not better than anybody in the NFL. And he's really found a home both positionally and I think just with this organization. So Bookmark that note for the two things that we need for a Seahawks win. Just... Hold that one, bookmark that. But right now we need to pause for words from our sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Seattle playing in Detroit means that it is an early kickoff. Seattle has won 13 of their last 14 10 a.m. starts. Of course, that's Pacific Coast time. Will be a normal time in Detroit. And it seems like Pete Carroll has figured something out with this routine. We have a way of doing it. And we have, you know, we have a, a, a whole format for getting everybody waked up and uh, in the morning. That's, that's the difference because you're playing at 10 o'clock, you know, so... Um, it's it, we're, it's a real committed process, and, and everybody's tuned in, and then we have to do our part as coaches to make sure that we carry out the plan, and, and uh, we've just minimized the you know that factor over the years, and so hopefully we can do it again. For the longest time, that was like you look at the schedule, and oh, God, 10 a.m. games, and they were so bad in 10 a.m. games. It's not like, you know, it's not some big psychological thing like it's all in their heads. It's hard. I mean, it's you've been on those hard. trips. Like, you're up early and we're not actually trying to play a game and it still feels early so for those guys it's it is a challenge but credit to Pete Carroll and that coaching staff over the years they've really done a good job of finding a good routine you know leaving the two days early the way they get as Pete Carroll said get guys waked up um, and just get you know get them ready for those games where what used to be this you know almost not quite a sure loss but you look at the schedule and those are really hard games to win for years and years and now, not only are they not a problem, but they have a better record in those 10 a.m. starts than just about any other. So, yeah, it's it's really cool the way they've turned that around and made that something they thrive in when it should be a big challenge. Well, and you're going to need that energy right out of the gates, as we've already talked about, against this Detroit team. Right now, the only thing that's left, John, are two things you need to see for a Seahawks win. Well, I screwed it up last week when I said I wanted to see the explosive passing game for the Seahawks, which they, you know, they had quite a few of them. I can't remember if they hit the number I said, but I forgot to, you know, the balance of that would be don't give them up. Right. And they gave up, I think, six 20-plus passes in the first half. So um, defensively, I just want to see them clean up the big plays, run and pass. You know, I don't... I don't care if, you know, the, the lines have some long drives, if, you know, and score some points. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to be easy. So keep them five or fewer explosives 
If you can clean that up, I think this defense is going to look a heck of a lot better. And we touched on this earlier, but offensively, I think they're going to move the ball well, but finish in the red zone. Don't mm-hmm. don't settle for so many field goals because, as we talked about, Detroit's got an explosive offense. They've got, you know, they're going to score some points. So don't leave all those points on the field. So maybe better than, definitely better than 50%, but let's make it more like two-thirds of your red zone trips into the end zone. Okay. I like it. And make sure that red zone defense stays as efficient yeah, as it's that. been, right? Yeah. Like that, those numbers are pretty impressive. Um, I would like to see two interceptions from the Seahawks defense this week. Can Quadra have them both? I think Quandre <laughs> should have them both because I mean, the story writes itself, exactly. John. That's really what I'm, I'm just, looking for. I'm thinking for about my, my own right. post I know. Story. It's very selfish that this is what we're thinking about. But also, Quandre would love it. Again, storylines. It's he's, perfect. He's gotten Goff a couple times in his career. So. I believe so. And we know that Goff is good for it. So let's make sure that Seattle has some takeaways because we're a little bit short on takeaways this year. So that's what we're looking for. Two takeaways. Offensively, I would like to see a little bit more yardage from DK. Lots of targets last week, not quite enough yards. So that's what I'm looking for. And that's all the time we have this week on the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. We'll see you next time.